0: we are. Episode 40. Number 40 on the hit That's kind list. of surprising, but... Yeah, it's really damn, cool. Dude. 40 weeks of this? Less than that. Well, no, maybe about that, because we've had to skip weeks, but... That's true. We did put out the first three all at the same time. You know, we've been going at it over a year. I mean, not, no, I mean, well, not no. number-wise,
1: but as far as you and me getting together and
0: watching movies and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, I guess... Maybe not quite over a year yet, but we're right within, like... A week or two of when we first started putting all this together. Yeah, it's
1: pretty cool, man.
0: For sure, we're like a week off from where it would be. I didn't mark it on a fucking calendar or anything, (laughs) but yeah, I know. But based on when I know some of the shit renews and how long we were talking about it right beforehand and stuff, we're like right within a week of of yeah of starting in on this. It gives us a
1: good timeline of Mm -hmm. sorts. Yeah. Regardless, this is our 40th. I'm still having a good time, man. And we've got a really fucking cool episode lined up. I'm
0: still not quite sure how we're going to talk about this. I'm just going to let it flow naturally. Yeah, but, well, it'll come to us. But for episode 40, we're going to talk about the first season of the television show Hannibal. Yeah. Which, as I kind of mentioned last episode, maybe not quite horror as much as thriller. And the TV formula is also a little bit of a procedural it is. It really is. However, I would say damn near everybody thinks of Hannibal as being a horror character. I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that, given, uh, yeah, the character itself. And uh, the intensity and lavishness and just exquisite detail of the gore in this series, I would say owes a lot to film.
1: Yeah. Parts of this do remind me of that, because you have a... Without giving too much weight, this this really does push the boundaries of prime TV. How the fuck was this ever on TV, dude? This was on what NBC? Yeah, it was on NBC. So this would easily get away with being on cable networks. Not yeah, not a problem there.
0: Yeah, we're not saying it's that over the top. But for um, yeah, your executive
1: brands of you know basic (sighs) TV channels
0: for yeah, one of the
1: one of the big boys. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, but it goes to show, this is a
0: really stylish show, and they do it supremely, it's not overboard. Right, God, I just, I, I love this show so much, I want to talk about it a lot. Is there anything we need to get into before we jump into the guts and bolts? Not necessarily, I know. you and I, we're
1: getting geared up because we're getting closer to Halloween, so we're, what, less than a month away, or close to a month away?
0: Yeah, we've laid out the plan for the next couple weeks. Ooh i got to decide 100% for sure what a, my Halloween costume's going to be, too. Nice. It's probably not going to be anything too scary. I like going more fun, but yeah, yeah. there is a it? chance I might go as Captain Spaulding. We'll put that at, in the air. That awesome. might not happen this year, but I'm going to do that at some point. I think I could do a pretty good Captain Spaulding. I know you can. But there's a couple ideas up in the air. We'll see awesome. what will happen. That's coming up. I'm excited, though. Halloween means I'm just going to be getting down on more horror Man. anyway. Cause yeah, I'll ramp it, it up a little season. bit. In fact, I think, I mean, we're getting close to the end of the month right now. Yeah, I think as soon as it hits October, like I could right now, but I already have more horror in my life before than when <laughs> we started this. I mean, we talked about when we started this. Like, that was almost kind of the reason. Like, we had fallen off horror a little bit, and this was a chance to delve back into something we loved. Now it's literally a fucking weekly part of my <laughs> life. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't really need to dive in too much deeper at this point. But as soon as October hits, I think I'm going to try to... Make it a point to watch at least like one extra horror thing every week. Yeah, I think it's. a I mean, I don't have reasonable... that much free time. I would like to say like two or three extra horror things every week, but I, I got to fit in shit for this show. And yeah, we do know,
1: have a lot going on outside like of the this. gym
0: and fucking petting my cat and all sorts of shit. So, but at least one extra horror thing I think a week just for it's for certainly all attainable. Of October, I think I'm gonna try to do that for myself and. Maybe I'll throw up my thoughts on those things on the website.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good way for us to start pumping that bad boy up a little bit.
0: You guys can check out our website, yeah. www.friedsquirms.com. Anyway, let's get into the Guts and Bolts. Guts and Bolts. Woo, Guts and Bolts. Guts and Bolts. All right, Guts and Bolts, Hannibal, season TV one. series, season one. God, what did we say? We're going to start with a synopsis. Yes. <laughs> good way of doing this. Good way of doing this. Let's see. Season one would be a good synopsis is it's a procedural that follows a FBI profiler with mental problems that both are what makes him amazing at his job and makes his job incredibly dangerous for him.
1: He's dealing with a dichotomous mental disorders like you were saying
0: and it details him following a string of killers with a few larger killer arcs in the background there's like monster of the week type episodes and then there's also like the larger storyline right. type shit so
1: there's a larger story involved with sub stories mixed in
0: while his i mean the title fucking character is his psychiatrist who also spoil... I mean, it's not fucking spoilers, right? Like, everyone knows it's Hannibal the Cannibal. All right, so we do have to, I guess, get a little <laughs> bit of this, right? I was trying to see how much I could dance around it, but right. the whole point is, is, like, his psychiatrist is Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Is Dr. Hannibal Lecter, who is a serial killer, who, it's made quite clear pretty early on, is also kind of the overarching big bad who's just kind of fucking with him.
1: Right, it's... As you were saying, it deals with an FBI profiler who gets involved with solving FBI cases, prolifically murder cases. And at the same time, because of his condition, his psychiatrist, being Dr. Hannibal Lecter, gains insight into some of the things that he sees and has to deal with. All the while, while helping Jack Crawford, who is a uh, FBI main agent.
0: Yeah, he's some sort of... He's the head of whatever fucking unit or whatever. Right.
1: And through the help of Will Graham solving these cases, he develops an empathetic view into the mind of serial killers.
0: Oh, he's the head of behavioral sciences at the FBI. Anyway, I mean, most likely if you've watched it, you're probably already familiar with, like, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, Red Dragon.
1: Maybe even going back to Manhunter...
0: I love Manhunter, but we'll get into that. Um, yeah, so, but this is
1: so this based is off of, of, we should mention that. It so is, it's
0: based off of the book, the same books that those are based off right, of.
1: Right, starting with uh, The Red Dragon,
0: and this is all done by Thomas Harris. I mean, this is the guts and bolts, so the weird thing being, we're going to mostly talk about season one today, but the big thing that, even though Manhunter came before, what blew up Hannibal was Silence of the Lambs. Oh, without a doubt. They can't use any of the Silence of the Lambs stuff.
1: Yeah, because they don't... It wasn't a Dino... Dis- Laurentiis. Or yes. Property. So, yeah, they had a skirt around it.
0: So the original plan for this series was to be seven seasons, with the first three being, like, original content, the fourth being Red Dragon, then Silence of the Lambs, then Hannibal, and then an original storyline that it all off. Unfortunately, because of all the fucking weird things having to do with the rights... And eventually the cancellation after season three, although we might be getting more. Yes. Talks have begun because of the rights reverting once again.
1: Yeah, we talked about that off uh, yeah, of we, uh, the podcast. And we that's mentioned that before,
0: news. although it's probably a little bit more pertinent on this episode. Right. So this first two seasons, I mean, I'd say that season two is actually very heavily inspired by Silence of the Lambs.
1: Some of the characters, most definitely,
0: and some of the situation as well. Yeah, Although exactly. inspired by, rather than an adaptation, is <laughs> yeah. is probably a the good best way to, to put describe that. it. Yeah. And then season three eventually gets to Red Dragon towards the end. Oh, man, this Which, series... Red Dragon is my favorite series. Um, my favorite of the books.
1: But... It is really good. It's supreme, man. I mean, I guess we can delve into a little bit of that later on. Yeah, all, we yeah. can get a
0: li- into a little bit later on. But this first season is just sort of a setup. And it still has ties into shit that was more mentioned in all the others.
1: Yeah, this is a good introduction to characters that are not Clarice Starling. So think of Will Graham, Jack Crawford, Hannibal Lecter, some of the others involved. It more focuses, like you said, on the original.
0: And because I liked Red Dragon most, I always liked Will more than Clarice. Once again, well, people are probably a little interesting bit more, character, man. Probably more familiar with Clarice and Silence of the Lambs and all that's that. That's quite right.
1: understandable, c- considering the magnitude of that film.
0: But we're not going to get any Silence of the Lambs. Let's put that out of your head right now. Yeah, this there is, is no Jodie Foster in this. This is going somewhere else, somewhere weird. Oh, I love weird.
1: We do weird stuff
0: on this show. And being that this is the guts and bolts, it goes somewhere weird, mainly because of the showrunner.
1: Oh, dude. Yes, that's a good segue into... Talking about the creator of this show, and I'll let you mention who that is,
0: Brian Fuller. Yeah, who I Huge recently name. realized I am way in the bag for. I didn't always put it all together until now. But Hannibal, in recent years as it came out, amazing. Uh, fucking American Gods is like my new f- almost favorite show of all time. Fantastic. I know you've been chatting about that way up. Completely weird. It's completely Brian Fuller. Completely weird. I apparently really need to watch Pushing Daisies. People keep telling me that it's going to be completely my shit and it's another Brian Fuller that's hugely critically acclaimed but one that the first one that, you know, it was before I paid attention to things like producers and show... I didn't really know how TV worked first off. I would have been trying to pay attention to the director and... That's completely interesting. Unlike when we talk about films, the director isn't as big of an importance in TV. Yeah, as far as getting projects lined up. So much that. as like the producers, showrunners, and that sort of thing. So when I watched Dead Like Me back in the day, which was my introduction of Brian Fuller... I fucking love that show up and down. I already told you I have the box set just sitting right over yeah, the there. That's room. awesome, man. Just introducing my girlfriend to it. She's loving it. We're going through it again. It's a great show. All the weird hallmarks of Brian Fuller, all the weird places he goes. Yeah, just you definitely get the feel visuals. for I I'm gonna watch more of his shit coming up. I-, I know that he has more things than that.
1: All of his projects are reputable because they're known for its stylish storytelling and it's almost heartwarming and endearing in some of these shows too. You know, it has uh, really great storytelling, but so, just to get them on airs. I mean,
0: I was watching Hannibal to do this for the show on Amazon because it's all streamable on there. If you guys have Amazon Prime, go check out Hannibal. Check it out; it's accessible. It makes it really easy. As we pointed out before, it aired on NBC. Yeah, that's I, amazing. I don't. I, it feels more like an Amazon original. It feels like a Netflix original. It, feels it sure like a Hulu does. Hulu original. It doesn't feel like broadcast television. And that's partially because of this just art direction. No,
1: you're right. If you had told me prior to even seeing the series, and you was like, all right, watch it, and then you told me it was on NBC, I'd be like, no, you're fucking lying.
0: Fuck you. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, it's like, no, this is, like you said, it could be Hulu, it could be Netflix, it could be, it could be any streaming or any cable network show, for that matter.
0: Yeah. Something where they're gonna do this shorter season and throw big money into it and do just oh, man. make sure that, you know, beautiful things happen, like we'll say this because you know, we have to give
1: credit where credit's due as well.
0: But big ups to NBC for
1: having the guts to air this in the first place.
0: And I think the only reason it lasted as long as it did was because of the critical success. Like critics recognize that this is a fucking brilliant, it's gorgeous brilliant. show. Didn't really pull in the numbers that they were hoping for. I mean, but NBC, they have to pull in bigger numbers. Well, of
1: course, they're a parent company, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah, they're one of the big boys. They're one of the broadcast networks. They're ABC, CBS, NBC. Those are the boys that have to pull down. Especially the different time slots have to make huge numbers compared to... That's what I
1: was thinking, too. Like, some of the shows that they have to stack up against on certain nights and whatnot. So you can expect certain numbers for maybe other networks, and you can get away with it. But not when you're on networks like this. They had, I mean, viewers when I looked at it, they had some like millions of viewers.
0: I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure viewer numbers like this, if they were on, I don't know, even like AMC, they probably wouldn't have gotten canceled. I don't know. The third season dropped off quite a bit, actually, but, but still, I mean, but they also over a moved million people watching halfway it. through that too. So
1: yeah, that's a good point too. Usually, when you get moved to Saturday, from what I understand, especially on NBCs, ABCs, etc., it's usually a death knell. Yeah, their last time slot was at 10 o'clock on Saturday nights. Um, I've a little bit about that.
0: But Brian Fuller, he made the show gorgeous. That's a showrunner. Now, I mentioned the difference before. I'm positive it differs from show to show, network to network, in small various ways. But as I've listened to interviews with people and read different things and this and that, as we mentioned before, directors aren't as important in the TV game. The people that are important are the people that are there every week, that make their show day in and day out. They're the ones throughout all of production, all of doing this. The directors are coming in. They're obviously being brought in because it's being thought that they can bring something to this, but they have to be able to work within this other framework. Precisely,
1: yeah. They're not necessarily the heavy hands in these projects at this point.
0: And so usually when you're looking at a TV show and you're seeing all the different producers... Their title is producer, but in almost all of those cases, they're writers of some sort. And it sort of is just the hierarchy of how high up the food chain, their veto power lies. Much of the work they actually have to do themselves, sort of. You're right. It's
1: quite different from filmmaking. but When you try to get it into (laughs) television series, quite different. When you look at Brian Fuller and the projects you had mentioned... There's a reason why he's having success with the shows that he pushes out.
0: And so, I mean, I didn't take the time to really look up what a lot of these people have done, but as far as the people that were there day in and day out, it'd probably be most useful to name off the producers. Yeah, we can. The the executive producers and producers. The producers, you got Carol Duntrussell, Michael Ray. Executive producers, Brian Fuller, as we mentioned, the showrunner. Martha De Laurentiis, Sidoni Dumas... Christoph Riandi, right. Katie O'Connell, right. Eliza Roth, Sarah Colton, David Slade, Chris Brancato. Jesse Alexander, Michael Reimer, and Steve Lightfoot. Yeah, and these are the people, like you said, in the command
1: chain, I suppose, who are making sure that everything is working. They're writing, they're making sure the style is right. These are the people that have a lot to do with the success of this show. I do have a few technical notes. You know I'm a nerd, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I like taglines. Believe this or not, I'm not going to go there quite yet. I did write it down. There were a few cinematographers for their first season. I'm glad there wasn't more. than the ones I'm going to mention, because we'd be at this all day. But anywho, James Hankinson, he did most of the episodes for Season 1 as far as uh, cinematography, and he did work on Arrested Development, the movie The Hitcher that came out like 2007, and Community and the show The Man in the High Castle. So he's known for doing TV shows and a few movies. Kareem Hussein did some of the cinematography as well. He's known for doing Hobo with a Shotgun, Hobo with a Shotgun. The movie's fucking dope, (laughs) man. I was
0: thinking about that movie the other night, because I was talking about Bladering with someone.
1: And it's Canadian, and Mm -hmm. we have to do mention that this is a joint United States and Canadian project. So that's why you're going to start seeing a bunch of Canadian projects coming up, (laughs) and Canadian names. He's known for doing work in the movie Antiviral, this movie We Are Still Here, and ABC's of Death. Those are the two gentlemen that I had written down. So that's your cinematographer for the season. Music, actually done the entire series, all 39 episodes. It was Brian Reitzel. He's done work on Lost in Translation, Stranger Than Fiction, the movie Virgin Suicides. I was thinking about John Carpenter's Vampires when I was thinking of Virgin Suicides because the common denominator is James Woods. Yeah, he was in both of those films. And he also did work on 30 Days of Night. There was a few editors on this, just three, Michael Doherty, he's most notably done work on Land of the Dead. Stephen Phillipson on the show American Gods. Ben Wilkinson, The Lost Girl. And Art Jones for the movie Hard Candy and 30 Days of Night.
0: Ooh, Hard Candy. Whew, that's a
1: real good one. Actually, um, Lost
0: Girl. I really like Lost Girl.
1: There, lost I'll mention a name Girl. real quick because there's a potential connection to the series. And that common denominator is Ellen Page. Ellen oh. Page is in Hard Candy. Nice. And she, if they reprise what we talked about, what Silence of the Lambs, she was gonna get the nod for Clarice Starling.
0: Oh, she was what like shortlist or
1: yeah, pretty much like it was narrowed down, and that's the first choice in terms of playing that part.
0: I'm, uh, that sounds great to me. Yeah, now, it would be oh, easy man. because she's Canadian as well. I'm I'm gonna hold back. That's we'll get into that. I mean, I know that's day.
1: future tense, and yeah, perhaps there is, perhaps there's some things
0: I'm curious about now that. Well, I mean, not now, but I know not now, now, I know not what you mean. Not in a future episode, Now, <laughs> That's
1: all right. You had asked me, did I get down the special effects? And I did.
0: Good, because, god damn, uh, yeah. there's some
1: great effects. There's a those. lot of people. You have to imagine. I'm just going to name the companies. This is no slight of hand to anybody who work with these companies. Because, like I said, we'd be here all day listing names. But companies were Industrial Pixel VFX. They helped with the character scanning visual effects on this got rocket science vfx they did visual effects and smoke and mirrors so those three companies were involved heavily with uh like said so all the visual effects that were involved in the show i didn't get down makeup department because same thing like so there's so many people who helped with the practical effects the makeup and gore effects like so i wish we had more time to cover all of them but it's no sleight of hand like i said to any of these people who were involved with this project I did write down a few production companies because there were a few involved. Not very many. Uh, Dino De Laurentiis Company, Living Dead Guy Productions, AXN Original X Productions, and Galmont International Television. The distributors, we talked about NBC. They were responsible for the United States television release of the show. City TV in Canada and British Sky Broadcasting in the United Kingdom. Release date was April 4th, 2013 in the United States and in Canada, and May 7th, 2013 in the United Kingdom. Taglines, we're at the point now. <laughs> There's two of them I wrote down, because I think okay. they encapsulate what the show's about. The first one I wrote down is Feed Your Fear, and the second, A Killer's Legend is Reborn.
0: Nice. Like, nice. That's okay. not bad.
1: There's quite a few, but I think those two encapsulate more what the show's about, like I said.
0: Now, I just want to name off names right now in the guts and bolts, because, I mean, we're not really going to go step-by-step through this entire series (laughs) anyway, so So, the How this Make You Squeal is going to be for a lot more of the kind of reactions, but, so starring Mads Mikkelsen, as our Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Hugh
1: Dancy as Will Graham. Right. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne as Jack Crawford. I've got Caroline Davernis. She plays Dr. Alana Bloom. Dr. Alana Bloom. Right. I did write down some of the forensics people involved, because one okay. of them worked on one of my favorite Canadian shows all time, hands down. If people are familiar with Kids in the Hall, you would be familiar with Scott Thompson. He plays Jimmy Price. So he's the guy who analyzes the fingerprints in the crime scenes. The other person involved is Aaron Abrams. He played Brian Zeller. He was another one of the forensic scientists and the FBI on the show. I've got, uh, I hope I pronounce her name right. Hattie Yeah, Hettienne Park. She plays Beverly Katz, another one of the forensics, I believe. Then outside of that, I don't oh. know if I want to start naming some of the characters that are involved with, like... I mean, the draw in is this ends
0: up involving Jillian Anderson. Yeah, she does play the psychiatrist to Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Bedelia du Maurier. Yeah,
1: exactly. Let's see, there was a few I did want to mention. We do have to mention Casey Roll. She plays Abigail Hobbs. I'm not going to mention exactly what her character is yet, but she plays a heavy hand in the first season, without a doubt. Eddie oh. Izzard's on this show. I didn't want to mention him. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I love Eddie Izzard. For me, I know him more as a comedian than as an actor. It's Dr. Abel Gideon. Yes, and he has a good, oh, he's he has a good great part in this. He's yes.
0: so good in this. Oh, my God. He stands out in this season to me. Very much.
1: <laughs> He's good. I was uh, just
0: watching one of the episodes he was in before you showed up. His character, he nails it. Mm-hmm. Like, so we'll mention him. Freddie Lowndes. I've got her name. I don't want to screw up Jean. her last name. You can screw up her last uh, name. Trostecki? Trostecki. Yeah, yeah she that plays that looks... Freddie
1: Lowndes. She does a really good job. Her character actually, I think in the book, is a gentleman as opposed to her character. And mm-hmm. it's supposed to be kind of like a disheveled gentleman journalist. And she's pretty... <laughs> um, let's see. I've got a few others. Oh, we'll mention Gina Torres. She plays Bella Crawford, the wife of Jack
0: Crawford, and she's actually the real life wife of Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence. I've heard he doesn't like to be called Larry, by the way. Don't call me Larry. Don't call him Larry. Lawrence Fishburne. Uh you want to hear a weird side note? I'm just gonna call him Morpheus. Forever. He's His always daughter. Morpheus. Oh, yeah, that's not a that's not a weird side note at all. I was gonna get to that at some point. Okay.
1: I don't you want to mention it right now since it's on our minds, his daughter Montana
0: Fishburne, Montana. Oh man, we we'll yeah, go she's watch her. A, she's an adult uh, actress. he he would appreciate if you do not go watch her porn. Yeah, don't call him Larry and don't mention Montana. But his daughter's definitely in a porn,
1: yeah, she definitely was. Not that we know, but we know Raw Espraza. He plays uh, Dr. Frederick Chilton, and he's in a lot of these episodes. We do have to mention him. Anna Chlumsky is actually in this for a couple of episodes, plays Miriam Lass, Lance Hendrickson made a guest appearance as Lawrence Wells, Molly Shannon, she played another oh, yeah. character. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool that she was on this. I love Molly Shannon. I'm not going to mention her quite yet. I'll let you mention her. But Dan Fogler was on this as a character Franklin. Right, yeah. Oh, fucking Dan Fogler. And we talked about Balls of Fury when we talked about John Carpenter's vampires because... The only Asian guy in that fucking movie was in Balls of Fury with Dan Fogler. How fucking funny is that? So that's our second mention, or at least my second mm-hmm. mention of Vampires in Night. Demore Barnes plays Tobias Budge. You mentioned Gillian Anderson. Vladimir John Kubert plays Garrett Jacob Hobbes. I think that rounds up my list of characters because there's quite a few. I mean, yeah, yeah there's, real, there's really a lot. A lot of
0: people in this show. It's not like we're talking about a movie. No this is, this is thirteen episodes. 13 so we're not episodes. gonna name everyone, but those are the draws. Yeah, and like I said, there's a lot of cool guest appearances
1: because of their work with Brian Fuller and other projects. Right. So let's squeal.
0: I'm gonna squeal. I think we did a squeal. pretty good job of getting through the guts. Um, and bolts. Oh, warning.
1: Oh yeah. Never forget. The warning.
0: Warning. It's a fucking bloody show. Yes, it is. It gets it, to be kind of a mind trap. There's a little bit of
1: violence. There's a... I don't want to mention that quite yet. There's a really fucking good whole sequence of that involving two characters specifically. I'll mention that later.
0: Yeah. It's there's a some little fist bit of of cuffs. There's, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's some fist cuffs. There's a little bit of violence, but or mostly what? like After Effects, you see crime scenes and shit, but they're <sighs> fucked up. This isn't... This is not for the faint of heart. No. Even
1: for a television series, it's not for the faint of heart.
0: No, not at all. So there's your warning. Otherwise, it's, it's pretty just... Yeah,
1: it, like I said, if you're familiar with Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, etc., then you'll be comfortable and in the zone with this television series.
0: And yeah, now let's squeal. Let's squeal! How does that make you squeal?
1: <laughs> we were mentioning we were squealing, right?
0: Oh, I guess we're squealing. No, I'm excited to squeal about this. I am as well. So, as I started to rewatch through this, because I've watched first season a couple times, I'm excited because we've actually decided that we're going to go through the entire series over the next couple weeks. Just so you guys know already. Whatever. Yeah. Because I've still never finished it. I've still never finished season three. Ooh. However, I have seen season one like two or three times now. And I was thinking about it, and I kind of think I'm almost the perfect audience for this in that I read the books a couple times each. Okay. But the last time I did that was probably when I was, like, 16 years old. I might have reread Red Dragon when, like, my freshman year of college. But it's still been a while. So while I can recall certain details here and there, they're not super there, they're not super implanted. But it means that I can still catch the references whenever they're brought up in the show. But I can appreciate all the changes that they've made, too. You already pointed out the Freddie Lowndes change. Alana Bloom is also a change from Alan Bloom. Alan Bloom, right. I mean, I think Crawford being black is a change, as a, as too. a huge departure, especially <laughs> in film. But strangely, something that's not a departure, but is finally closer, I believe, considering his background, is having a Hannibal with the European accent. I was thinking about that the whole time as well, because I was thinking, isn't he supposed to be European? Um, also, now that it's to the how does this make you squeal, how this makes me squeal is... Even having not finished the show yet, I've gone through three quarters of it. Mads Mickelson is my favorite Hannibal. You know, I'm going to start to agree with you there. I mean,
1: not that I have to agree with you every time, but his portrayal of the character, I feel, is a lot closer to home. Anthony Hopkins, I mean, it's hard to, to be in anything he does. But there's a certain way that Mads Mikkelsen and that's encapsulates a thing against the it. I character. I love that though. movie. I They're love... great. Everything he's done with the series... Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Hopkins, I mean his portrayal of Lecter is perfect for maybe his age because
0: there's a little bit more youth in Mickelson's character as well. I've probably actually rewatched Silence of the Lambs at least two times within the past year, which is kind of unusual for me rewatching a horror movie that many times, but it's that good of a movie. However, this show is fucking outstanding, <laughs> partially yeah. because it's really artsy fartsy. I mean, it kind of is,
1: you know, but not in a way where it it feels overly done. It's stylish. It's beautiful to look at. The storytelling's encapsulating. Like, you become involved
0: with the stories and the characters. And it makes sense for making you feel in tune with the characters. Because Will's a fucked up character. Yes. And the way that they
1: portray him, they don't make him in a way where, you know, his symptoms and, and what he does they don't try to do it to demonize him or maybe diminish him. Mm -hmm. They just let you know this is who he is and this is how he's dealing with it and how this affects what he does.
0: Well, and one of the neat things is as this first season progresses, Will's your protagonist. All the way throughout, yeah. Not all of the scenes are from his perspective, but he is the main protagonist, but in a huge way. Oh, yeah. But as the season goes on, he becomes an unreliable narrator.
1: Yeah, yes, he does. I mean, we have been alluding to the fact... Oh, well, we even mentioned right now that he has... You could call a, it a
0: mental disorder. I
1: don't know. It's, it's, or, a, it's kind of a weird empathy disorder. It is. They don't really have... I mean... For him, it's a unique gift because he gains this insight and he can
0: see He it can through. understand and empathize with anything. Right. And to the point where amazing. he understands intentions... And so he can recreate murder scenes. But to do that, he kind of loses himself in it a little bit. He
1: does. He becomes one... I would think more with the serial killer, more so than with the victims. I mean, he does have empathy for both. But the way he sees it through the eyes of the uh, serial killers, it really fucks him up.
0: (laughs) God, Will, Hugh Dancy. So, this show was kind of my huge introduction to Hugh Dancy. Except, I realized... When I was looking up people's credits and this and that, when we were going to do this episode, well, first, I've loved Mads Mickelson for a while. Oh, Um, yeah, he's awesome, man. Before I talk about Hugh as as Will and the weird connection I found, my big draw to this show, other than being a fan of Hannibal, the character, like I said, I read all the books multiple times. It was just a long time ago. But then the movies as well. I fucking love Manhunter, which means I actually do really like Brian Cox as Hannibal as well. But then Silence of the Lambs, Red Dragon wasn't bad, Ed Norton. <laughs> yeah, hey, I mean, I love Ed Norton, but he's not as strong will. Hannibal was sweet. I remember going seeing it in the theaters. Ray Liotta, that was great. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow, yeah, yes it is. Uh, <laughs> so I've been, I've been a big fan of the material for a long time, but the big draw for me into the show was Mads Mickelson. Right before I started diving into the first season for the first time, I had just gotten done watching Valhalla Rising. Yeah, that movie's it's oh, it's it's gloomy. I will say this: I still don't know if I like that movie.
1: It makes but you I'll feel rec- a certain but way. I'll
0: recommend people to watch it all day long. It's a fantastic. It is movie. a fantastic movie, but um, it's, I'm yeah. still not sure. Just a side note for a second. <laughs> yeah, it's alright. Since you've watched it as well, obviously. Yeah, I'm still not even sure. Like, was One Eye supposed to be an avatar of Odin? Or was he an avatar of death? <laughs> yeah. Or was he just a really unlucky warrior?
1: I, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's, those are all great questions, because it could
0: be any of that. It literally could be any of those. But, yeah, when, I, when y'all watch this, like, oh, man, this is fucked. Dude, I was way too stoned watching that, too.
1: Yeah, You know, you have to go in it with a certain mindset, for sure, that movie.
0: That's a bit of an arthouse flick,
1: but it's really well done. I mean, it's a great film
0: and he's fantastic. Oh, so brutal. You know,
1: I think the first thing I would recognize him from was actually watching Casino Royale.
0: Oh, as Le Chifre. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, that's that's interesting shoes to fill right there because Le Chiff had been portrayed live action one other time I can think of in the well, like 1954 Casino Royale or whatever, yeah, by Peter Lorre. Oh, wow. Now, that's,
1: and that's I think that was like connection.
0: pudgy Peter Lorre, too. It's not like the almost caricature of himself Peter Lorre that people think of. And I just realized we went like way old Hollywood. Like I'm pretty yeah. sure we just lost half the audience talking about Peter Lorre Who the fuck, Peter fuck Peter are you Laurie guys is. talking about? Look him up. I mostly just think I'm in Casablanca. Reek, Reek, you must help me, Reek. <laughs> you must save
1: me, Reek. Yeah, he's he's a memorable person for sure if you've seen him in film.
0: And then Mads Mikkelsen stepped into that role. That was huge. But what I first remember him from, which is the weird crossover, was 2004 King Arthur. <laughs> yeah, there's a huge connection between he was Tristan, who was the badass archer in the group. It's fucking dope. I'm a huge King Arthur nerd. Like I have like Mort Arthur sitting within arm's uh, reach of my bed. I have a couple books on uh, some of the possibilities of the historical Arthur sitting up at my bookshelf. I've delved into that subject a few times. (laughs) And so I was super excited when the movie came out, even though it wasn't that great of a movie. It was still just cool because it was on my mind at the time. And he was a badass in it. And I had no idea that that's also where I would have seen Hugh Dancy for the first time because he was Galahad. Exactly. And... (laughs) Yeah, that's how
1: both of these gentlemen are involved with this project. I believe it was a recommendation from Hugh Dancy to get Mads Mikkelsen to audition for the part of Hannibal Lecter, and because of that film, it worked out for both of
0: them. Same director of Valhalla Rising did the Pusher series, yeah, which sure is did. where he got his big break, and I have to watch those at some point because I've only heard just amazing things about them.
1: One of my younger sisters is a big fan of that series.
0: And the same director... I know that he's from one of those countries where it might not be pronounced quite this way, but I'm going to just pronounce it how it looks, and it's Nicholas Winding Refn.
1: I, mean, I know who you're talking about.
0: He also did, like... Drive. Yeah, that movie's... Neon Blue Demon. Boss.
1: I haven't seen that, but I have seen Drive. So, <sighs> go check out his yeah. shit,
0: by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's fucking dope. He's known dope. for his style. For Rising is fucking... Like I said, I don't know if I like it, but it's fucking good. It's
1: worth at least watching one time, no <laughs>
0: doubt. Like you said, though, it's gloomy, though. Like, it leaves oh. you feeling not right.
1: I know. I mean, but it's still an interesting tale all the way through, even to the
0: end. You're like, oh, man. And the God. lack of talking in it just keeps adding to that. Yeah, it has a certain,
1: almost a primal feel. It just... Sorry, this I isn't the Valhalla Vol- Rising maybe. podcast. Yeah we're, sorry, yeah, we're bumping it, though. <laughs> That's for sure.
0: Sorry, we had an emergency stop it for a second. And I don't quite remember where we were at, but there was one note that I wanted to make about King Arthur, too. It's not that great of a movie. (laughs) However, I do know a little bit of trivia behind that movie that I want to bring up because I think people need to give it at least one more shot because of this. When it was being made, they weren't told it had to be PG 13, I believe it's a PG 13 movie, until they were like 80% of the way through production. (laughs) Bruckheimer was making it a fucking live action, fucking R, violent King Arthur movie. Yeah, was told 80 percent of the way through production that it had to be PG-13, so part of the (laughs) effects budget actually went to digitally removing like some of the blood sprays and shit. If you watch the theatrical cut, there's actually like weird camera pans in some of the the action sequences where it would be following like a blood trail flying across like the air after like a throat cut and shit Mm -hmm. but there's nothing there it's just like this weird like pan off of the action okay (laughs) so there is a director's cut i don't think it restores everything it's still not the best movie it's a fucking (laughs) jerry Ruckheimer movie oh yeah yeah i mean you know what you're gonna get out of him and it's an okay version of the sarmation theory Eh, yeah but um it's a really fun movie, and it's way better if you get to watch the director's cut. Way better if you get to watch the director's <laughs> yeah, cut. Yeah, typically Doesn't they It restore are. everything, but it's not the bullshit that we got in the theatrical cut either. That was just my little King Arthur tangent. It's, it's I kind of enjoy that movie though, man, way more than I thing. should. Clive Owen, fucking Mads Mikkelsen, uh, yeah. some other motherfuckers. Dancy? I, yeah, Hugh Dancy. That's what we were wrapping around, though, too, is this is what I consider, like, my big, like, oh, my God, Hugh Dancy is an amazing actor as well, Graham. Yes, he is. To wrap it all the way back around to, like, 15 minutes ago.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you're you're absolutely right. His take on this character is brilliant. And that's, you know, I know we've been pumping this show up and these characters up and people up, but watch it for yourselves and you will see how he encapsulates that character. He does it brilliantly.
0: I mean, we're in the squeal section so we can talk spoilers even though we haven't really talked much of the overall plot or anything yet. But in the late stages of the season, when his brain swelling is getting really bad to him and his hallucinations are getting really bad. Rampant. I actually almost have a hard time watching him because it doesn't feel right. He doesn't look right. He looks like a sick person. He's really truly in that and it's like fucking somebody help him like (laughs) no he physically mentally he does it
1: all his portrayal you would think you were really watching a person going through that
0: and there's in very much in particular a scene i think it's in the last episode where he wakes up it's in the last episode
1: is it where he's buzzing
0: where he's buzzing stylistically like brian fuller crazy awesome shit doing things with the way he's focused and what's happening in the background and how it's all buzzing in and out and shit to sort of show his frame of mind and comes across beautifully of how fucked up he is and shit very much uncomfortably reminded me of like weird experiences on drugs hey <laughs> yes <laughs> it, it does have a
1: um like almost an uncomfortably interesting take. so
0: it was like oh shit like Because of the way everything was lit, and how stark it was, and sort of how he was superimposed into it. And almost as if it still existed without him and shit.
1: Yeah. He's either leaving something behind, or entering a different realm.
0: And I was just like, oh shit, like, I've took acid and like felt like this in my fucking kitchen. (laughs) Oh dang. (laughs) Like... Yeah, Not like this, because he's having something else much worse oh, going yeah. on at that point, but um, you know what I mean, sort of that weird disconnect, and visually how almost how it was portrayed on the show. Almost. Yeah, that's
1: interesting, man. I've never been introduced to Sid. I mean, I've been introduced, but I never really hung out with Sid.
0: <laughs> Some good times. Enjoy it more than the mushrooms. Yeah?
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Interesting. The mushrooms are a little bit more emotional. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Holy cow. They're emotional. The SID's a little bit more of a disconnect. Yeah, At least yeah. for me, is a little bit more of a disconnect and, and getting and seeing patterns. Understandable. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man.
1: You're right. I mean, getting back to like the way that they filmed that, his state of mind. You do feel like, wow, this is this intense. It's you feel really bad for that person.
0: Like I said, the, the, a couple of those episodes towards the end make me feel a little bit uneasy because of his state of mind and, uh, rather than what's being shown on. This right. takes
1: nothing away from the show or the people involved. It's just, you know, it's the way it is. But you're right. You're like, damn, what's, these people are trained professionals. He needs help. You're pushing him yeah. too far. You can help him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you guys are all qualified. You see what he looks like. Regardless if he tells you he's okay or not,
0: he's not okay. But the thing is, Hannibal's telling them he's okay. And they have no reason to doubt Hannibal at that point. Yeah,
1: exactly. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, like I said, it is what it is. But because it, it is what it is, it's
0: perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is still going to be hard for me. I think I know. This is but we, we talked about here. going into this that we weren't we weren't going to go through the entire series. But I mean, bit we can bit, hit the main, but we can arcs. hit. But to try to remember our favorite bits. Right. So I think we talked about top four. Let's do top three. Okay. Not necessarily in any order, and let's pop it back and forth Okay, okay. of just favorite bits of the season. Okay. And then, if there's anything else we really want to talk about, we can just get to it after that. All right. I'm um, down. Do you want to go?
1: Yeah, I'll start off. I'll start off. All right. I'll start off with the moment that I really enjoyed. It was more of an episode. I'm not going to talk about the entire episode, but the person who had a condition with his brain started making these angels
0: okay the angel maker yeah
1: the angel maker that episode was pretty intense uh i like the way you know artistic. so let's go into this for a second because angel
0: maker was going to be the second one i brought up
1: okay no doubt all yeah. right so uh, i'll tie in a little bit with your eyes angel
0: yeah well angel maker is also one of my favorite episodes it's a super fucking intense episode Whew. they bring up at towards the beginning that it's almost like a blood eagle it's not quite a blood eagle But that immediately connected because I'm like, I know what a fucking blood eagle is. (laughs) I'm laughing for different reasons. (laughs) Never mind why I know, but I know what a blood eagle is. Right, yeah. Uh, Damn. That episode
1: is, it's an interesting take. I think it's more of like an allegory a little bit. The way the guy sees, I think in his mind, he can see killers. You know, whether they're good killers, bad killers, he just sees killers. And he's picking these people out through his weird
0: illusions and his... Well, I don't know. I don't think he thinks they're killers, but I think he... He likes... doesn't think, but he sees them with yeah, like these but I think he sees. I think the flames are... He sees them as being bound for hell. Mm, yeah. And so then he's going to make them into angels. I so okay. don't have to go there, necessarily. That's a, yeah, that's a
1: good take on that. I think so.
0: Maybe. I mean they did mention that in his later life he wasn't necessarily very religious though but at that point it was what was going on with him was taking over so
1: yeah i mean even the way he saw will too was really in that image so you know it's it's a weird way that he was seeing people but he was also picking out these weird takes on these people too like they had weird backgrounds
0: also the gore on that episode is fucked up
1: And that's one of those episodes, too. You know, we talked about this being on NBC. I'm like, how the fuck did they get this where people are being flayed, their flesh is being draped out like wings, and they're even posturing over beds with, like, angel wings with their flesh? So even worse than
0: that, what I noticed very specifically towards the end of the episode when he's done it to himself. Oh, man. That's intense. Um, And there's a camera shot that's up when they first walk in, And it's up a little bit behind his body. So you see just like the back of his shoulder and stuff. And you see the entrance to the barn and Will and Jack walking in, looking up at it. But you can see really, because of how close the camera is, you can see really good detail on like six to eight inches worth of the back. And I'm a hunter. I have killed deer and skinned it, processed the meat, ate it. And the way his they made his skin look, well, his flayed back look, is what muscle looks like when it's dead and just been exposed, been flayed.
1: Mm.
0: Not like ripped apart, not like hamburgered or fucking sliced or this or that. Just the skin removed and has been sitting there for a couple hours. That's what it looks like. And that fucking got me. I was like, oh, shit, somebody somebody wow. knows somebody knows
1: there was a lot of research done for these purposes yeah in this show it paid off that episode like i said was super intense but it was really gory and that was like I was saying it was one of those moments where i was like kudos to nbc for showing this because man they're getting away with some heavy shit right now it'll blow a lot of people's minds seeing
0: that i think that's one of the first episodes too where shit start i might be wrong
1: No, he... uh, Just because there's like
0: 13 episodes, uh, but I feel like that's one of the first ones where shit starts really getting to Will.
1: Oh, he he sees that guy in his mind fall from that position and approach him. And it's like, you almost feel like, what the fuck is going on right now? It's not what it appears to be.
0: Is that when he put together what Abby did? Because he stabs the guy when he walks up to him, right? In self-defense?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right it's weird at least
0: in his vision he does
1: he does have these moments of these weird clarities i suppose Mm -hmm. where he's tying in like these different moments that he's been affected by he doesn't know how they're connected quite yet but yeah i think that is one of those moments where he's starting to realize and it's like i kind of ended up
0: hijacking your moment a little bit no it's okay because one of your twos yeah number number two two,
1: yeah so I won't say this is my number one, but that's one of my You right, yeah. yeah.
0: It was going to be the second one I was going to bring up. But for, I
1: do—I really do like that episode a lot.
0: Because I already figured out that the first one I was going to bring up, as long as you're done with that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm okay with over, that. Is the one that I always try to sell people on the show on. Partially because I couldn't believe fucking NBC did it. And it's maybe not even as graphic as The Angel Maker, which came earlier in the season than the the part I'm thinking of. Okay. But the one that I try to sell people on, because it's such a fucking fucked up neat idea, and they still show it, is the cello neck down the neck, the trombonist neck, and playing Playing across the fucking vocal cords.
1: That is brutal, isn't it?
0: With Garrett Jacob Hobbs in the fucking audience clapping.
1: That is, oh man, that's a great moment in the show. That is a great moment. That's what
0: I always try to sell people on. I'm like... They find this <laughs> fucked up body, and when he imagines what happened, yeah, he figures out what happens, and <laughs> oh, man. and the sound that comes out too is almost like that fucking. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's 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 really amazing. And the thing I like too about that,
0: it's is like the, the it's the movie trailer. The... Yeah, it's
1: it's haunting. But what I wanted to interject was in that episode too the way that those strings are made. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty intense. It involves I, uh, Tobias. Yeah, Tobias.
0: He's like, how much do we want to give away? I mean, we're in spoilers. I mean, we're in spoiler lands. No, the fact that his students' strings are made from human intestine.
1: I thought it was interesting that he was like, no, he was telling that students, like, no, you need to learn on these strings.
0: I find that to be a pretty interesting episode, too, because that's another one. Will has that weird moment with the team where when they're inspecting the body he accidentally is still too much in serial killer mode Mm -hmm. and he snaps at the body and something like fucking had to open you up to get a good sound or something oh man yeah he's after a while
1: like I said, because he has to delve into the minds of the uh, serial killers it overwhelms him Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but you're right it's like over time he
0: has those lapses and those lapses and those lapses keep happening but when I try to sell this show to people that I think That's would be interested in yeah. it, when they're like, fuck, you know, I'm not going to, I don't need to watch Hannibal or fucking Science of the Lambs. It's almost perfect movie. And they're like, and it's fucking broadcast tele, you know, fucking NBC anyway. Like, no, and I go, understand. no, you don't get it. This is what happens <laughs> in one of these episodes. And I tell them about that moment. That's the thing that I always try to open it up with. Like, this is what they're doing in this show. And that's not even the most extreme. Like I said, Angel Maker comes earlier in the season and is probably a little bit more graphic.
1: Yeah, that's how I would portray that.
0: But something about that just captured me. Like, maybe it's because I I was always musical throughout my life or something, but it's just such a fucking neat idea playing the vocal cords and shit.
1: You're right, because of all kinds of aspects of music and sound Mm -hmm. in general. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, I love the way... That gentleman portrays the serial killer, Tobias. He does a great job. But I don't want to interlude too much with some of the things that he does later on, but just his character, the, what he did to that person, and the way he makes the strings is, whew, is intense.
0: Uh, cool. What's your number two? All right. Um,
1: I want to say, this is going to sound weird a little bit maybe, but I like the way Jack Crawford, Lawrence Fishburne's uh, wife in the show... She starts to find out that she's got cancer, right? And Hannibal, you learn that he can smell conditions on people mm-hmm. without without even having to know. You know, like, he knows. He knows their smell. He knows, like, even their taste. So, I like, guess, interesting because that brings up, like, synesthesia where um, you have different sensories tied into each other through the brain. So, you know, it's like you might be able to see colors associated with sounds or, you know, et cetera, like that. But he's starting to have those moments, you are like, holy shit, because he can smell what's going on with Will, he can smell what's going on with Bella, even before Lawrence Fishburne learns the truth. But that whole, I think that episode was unique in a way. It gave you a little bit more insight into some of these characters, and like, that was more of a a real episode, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, holy shit, (laughs) there's a lot of ways you can connect with that. I just thought it was a unique story in itself, you know can't remember the exact episode like what it was centered around but I think that was kind of a realization of like everybody's dealing with certain ways like I think that's how they were finding out about the serial killer in that way there was a yeah there was a guy that was dying from cancer mm-hmm. and he kept pushing away and pushing away and they found out through his wife and that's how Jack Crawford learned about his wife right I was like, whoa, that's... It was kind of an interesting way how they were... They do a good job of paralleling stories. Yeah, I thought it was... Re- I mean, mm-hmm. they do that throughout the entire series, but that one gave you a little bit more empathy for the characters, so that mm-hmm. way you were more attached to them, maybe, emotionally. I thought it was an interesting way how they did that. It was almost a kind of a daring way they did it, too. So maybe that's the writers or the creators or whoever were involved. like, hmm, they were telling a bigger picture here. All
0: right. It's kind of cool. Let's see. That's
1: what I say. It's a weird moment that I like, but I like that.
0: Right. Nice. Let me think. Oh, I'll move (laughs) my number three to number two. (laughs) Since my number two was your number one. Okay. We'll come up with six points total still. So I'll come up with I'll come up with another one. But so I'll move my number three to my number two for now and I'll think of one while you go for your last one. So my number three was gonna be I love the whole sequence, and it's stretched over a little bit of different parts of the episode, but the whole sequence of Hannibal preparing his dinner party. I like the story, like how each dish has a significance. I mean, I wasn't even thinking at that point. The preparation I I really like, I've realized in recent years that I very much like watching characters on TV who are competent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point the best parts of Breaking Bad were when they were cooking meth. Yeah, they were Those parts are fucking brilliant. Because you truly understand, like, just how good they are at what they do. And they did a brilliant job of showing that. And one of the things that Hannibal is brilliant at throughout the show is cooking. And it's shown in every episode.
1: It's awesome.
0: But that particular episode, he's laying out an entire fucking dinner party and you get to see little bits of him making almost every dish throughout the course of the episode (laughs) but you also have in the subplots them finding all these bodies that have to be the Chesapeake Ripper but aren't showing any of the normal signs and it's because he's having to just I mean he's throwing a party he has to get the parts from somewhere he needs
1: the specific parts from specific people
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and he has and he's not doing it like he normally does he's just he has so (laughs) much time so he's basically just rushing through and getting that whole sequence like you were saying it's really cool the way they shoot it too oh it's so so beautiful all the dishes he makes throughout the show are beautiful yeah they are that dinner party though by the time it's done (laughs) just a wonderful spread yes I have Um, to warn you God, this show makes me hungry. As a side note, this is going to sound kind of fucked up, but I thought it was just something kind of neat to do. Yeah. Every time I sat down to watch the show, I made sure to be eating food with it. <laughs> There's that, nothing wrong with that. And I made sure that pork was included in the dish because a long pig being human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Most man. of the time it was bacon. Last night it was like yeah. pork loin.
1: You got to go with what you know. Yeah. Ah, that's cool. Well, it's no surprise. Like I so said, we are in the spoilers. But Hannibal being a cannibal and preparing all his dishes. And the way it's presented, like you said, you're like, wow, this looks super
0: appetizing. But then you have to realize like, what they it really is. Yeah. Say so like 85% of the dishes he makes throughout the series. Maybe not that much. Less than that, because I realized that it had been a while since he had killed as the Ripper. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the Shrike copycat as well, but he wasn't taking as many trophies. So towards the beginning of the series, a couple of those dishes aren't human. And there's at least one dish he makes directly in front of his surgeon friend. Or no, his neurosurgeon friend. Right, That's not human because you can see the pig leg. He's
1: cutting it, yeah.
0: But otherwise, 80% of the meals he makes... On screen are implied <laughs> to be human throughout the series. Yeah.
1: Various organs and bits and pieces. Yeah. But the way they portray him cooking it,
0: it's not like he's
1: doing a disservice. He is honoring it in a magnificent <laughs> way. way.
0: Just. And they're filming it at the time and it's brilliant. It's, it's awesome. Well, I was going to say that's the weird thing because like... For me, it's a very weird dichotomy because that looks like some of the most brilliant dishes I've ever seen in my entire life. Really? But I know that what They're serial killing humans. You, on the other hand, because you're a vegetarian, yeah. Does the dichotomy come across as much, or do those dishes still look pretty fucking delicious? I mean, <laughs> because I, I mean, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't eat meat, it's like
1: it doesn't bother me that they're doing this, right? You know, but it's not appetizing to me. It's like I don't want to sit down and eat that, mm-hmm. but the way they the visual representation you know the whole preparation i can appreciate all that i worked in kitchens i've done all that stuff i appreciate the art of what he is doing and and then knowing the fact that he's feeding these things to people along with eating it himself for various reasons that's like i love this this is horror this is what horror is is i mean come on I got nothing against that, but I'm not, I don't want to this eat that Texas with them. Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Twos prize
0: winning like, chili. It's like these, these
1: are reasons. <laughs> these, these are reasons why I'm glad I don't eat the meat right now. You know, like I said, it doesn't offend me or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I didn't think it offended you. I was nah, just wondering bet it's not. I was really if any of either. them looked good enough that even you were like, mm, you know maybe funny? that one? No, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> it was there was one moment that I thought was funny. Uh, since we're talking about this, Freddie Lowndes, mm-hmm. her character. You know, she. She's vegetarian. And he makes her this salad. I'm like, that looks exactly what they would make for fucking vegetarians. And like, just give them a bunch of fucking different leaps. She's <laughs> like, this might be the best salad I've ever had. <laughs> like, you blind bitch. <laughs> but it's like, it doesn't fit me. I just thought it was funny.
0: Yeah, that's what I got for number two.
1: Um, all right. It's hard to round up top threes. This is what I like throughout the series. I liked how Will kept seeing the stag...
0: It's like a feathered stag. Yeah. A blue feathered stag. Actually, what I was going to bring up is my number three was the use of color throughout the series. Oh, there's a lot
1: Uh, of visual representation throughout.
0: Red is used in like 90% of the scenes in the series, either somewhere in the scene. Not everywhere, but somewhere in the scene. But one of the things I was going to bring up that ties into the stag is maybe it's just me. I'd have to watch through maybe one more time just to be absolutely sure of this. But it seemed to me in the last three episodes, will's going super insane, but at the same time he's starting to put some of the the weirder pieces together, yeah,
1: he's seeing the bigger picture now,
0: and he starts figuring out that the ripper is the shrike copycat, basically yeah, and, and he as, starts as he starts getting closer to that, the stag, and especially in the last episode turns to the horned human,
1: yes like the blue horned human,
0: yeah. And as he gets closer and closer to the truth, it seemed to me, along with the red in the background and splashed throughout scenes, that they start making Hannibal wear blue more and more as Will figures it out. Yeah. He doesn't do it as much towards the beginning, but I noticed, like, the last three episodes, he was almost always wearing something blue as Will was starting to put it together.
1: There are interesting ways of how they're using that. That's a brilliant use of color schemes. That whole dreamy sequence he has... You're kind of unsure of why he's having these at first, especially with that large of a of a stag like He's seen a lot of antlers for apparent reasons in this show. Is that it? But then I kept seeing this statue of uh, that stag in Lecter's office. It's like,
0: it's his subconscious telling him, this is a connection back to your doctor in a weird way. And then the fun thing, going into one of my favorite myths, because like I said, I got into horror first off from the myth side of things right, and right. reading about like folklore and the occult and stuff the human stag the blue human stag I- i'd have to look it up to where he confirmed it but it was right. confirmed later on by Brian Fuller spoilers if you can follow the symbolism throughout the show it's very obviously Hannibal this entire time it's will hunting down the truth about him and it's as he discovers the truth that's when he disc that it beca- takes human form rather than just prey
1: yeah, he starts to uh use these unique metaphors and analogies, like whether he realizes it or not, like he has a moment with Abby where he asks her,
0: you know, whether she's prey or she's lower. But that blue cannibal stag human <clears throat> out in the woods right. is a wendigo. <laughs> yeah,
1: perfect. That's, that's exactly what it, that's
0: exactly what it's supposed to be, as per Brian Fuller, and yeah. in some interviewer somewhere. I, I do huh. know that he, he pointed that out at some point. But even without that, symbolically, it all fits. Yeah. And he kind of puts it together by the last episode. Yeah. Uh, over... He just hasn't said anything out loud yet.
1: It is a unique uh, way of finding out things, you know what I mean? Through that whole, I don't know, just the empathy, and then having to deal with the way he's being manipulated into actually having to deal with it. <laughs> It's brilliant the way they do that on film.
0: One of the things I noticed this past time through too, that some of the brilliance is that if they weren't able to pull off how it affects Will and like the dream sequences and the visual symbolism and all that so well, Mm -hmm. it would actually be extremely lazy writing. Yes, it because would Because they're not following any clues. Will's literally laying down the middle of crime scenes and figuring out how they're done. I love the way they do that, man. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking amazing, but it's lazy as shit. Like, yeah. the, the forensics usually have to do hardly anything. <laughs> they are just, like, kind of... They're there for
1: maybe technical purposes, you know?
0: I think they had to sell to the company that this was a procedural or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think
1: mean, that's no disservice, like I said, to the uh, the actors and actresses, but you're right. Some of them kind of felt like, okay, they're just there for maybe, you know, some backup with facts if you need some fact checking. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Scott Thompson and kids in the hall, but I don't think of him as his role in
0: this show. He does a good job. Maybe it was more like they understood that they, unlike some other shows that really do get lazy. But they were competent, yeah. They couldn't have Will and Hannibal be experts on everything. Yeah, that's a good they point. still had to have other resources. Yeah, like so you had to be more procedural. Like, yeah. Because I mean, Hannibal alone is quite the expert across the board on a, many things. But he has the backstory that backs it up. Yeah, and that's why he's around to begin with. Really, is because yeah. he's that well known. Well, that well respected in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: in his community. <laughs> You know it's hard to boil down top three because I love lo- everything how they started. I was telling um, my I was gonna say Ma- my
0: what was gonna be an honorable mention that I was just gonna bring up, but because we shared a number two, mm-hmm. I'll just bring up yeah, as my yeah. number three is I love the two Dead Like Me" references. Yeah, I know what you mean because I'm a huge as I already pointed out earlier, I'm a huge Dead Like Me" fan. So if somebody out there wants to know this little bit of inane trivia, Crawford's trainee that gets killed Miriam Lass when they first say her name they say her full name Miriam Regina Lass in Dead Like Me the younger sister was Reggie Lass Uh, oh
1: that's cool
0: Reggie being short for Regina yeah and then later on Ellen Muth or Muth or Muth who was the star of Dead Like Me and played George Mm Mm-hmm. Short for Georgia, Lass comes in and plays for two episodes a character named Georgia Madchen. Mm-hmm. Lass means girl. Madchen Imagine. means German girl. girl yeah.
1: <laughs> it's pretty interesting. I, I knew about the Georgia. I didn't know about the, uh, about the Reggie. Reggie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know about Reggie. I didn't know about that Reggie.
0: And she's, Reggie was blonde. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if you were casting grown up Reggie, that was really good casting. That's pretty cool about who that was, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, because that was Anna Shomsky. Oh, oh, yeah, you're talking about her lass, yeah. Yeah. That's Reggie funny. Reggie Lass. Or not, I mean, she would be good casting for a grown-up Reggie Lass, but fucking my girl. <laughs> yeah, oh, my gosh. I was thinking about her connection to... Um... Dude, that might have been the first
1: movie to ever make me cry. It, it's sad, man. It is. The B moment, maybe?
0: Yeah, Jesus. Macaulay Culkin? Got Holy lit God.
1: the fuck up with some yeah Candyman.
0: <laughs> Aren't you looking for the Candyman, bitch? <laughs> he did it.
1: Fucking Kevin McAllister in the woods. God damn, that would be fucking hilarious. But you're right. That's what I think of Anna Chlumsky when I think of hers from My Girl. But I was going to say that she has a connection to um, it because of one of the main actors. I guess is the adult actors. Stan, the adult Stan, was in My Girl.
0: Nice. Oh, Jesus. Like so know, there's all these weird connections, There's too. some really fun connections in this. I love uh, that Lance Hendrickson was in this. Well, I want to pull, Oh, that's... Yeah. That's huge. Lance Hendrickson. I mean, he, was, me. he didn't do really anything in the fucking show, but
1: he had a pretty uh, cool connection.
0: There was a really neat little... I'm positive that this had to be purposely put in. But when Will throws out the, you wouldn't like uh, me I... when I'm psychoanalyzed. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, Incredible Hulk... Edward Norton played the Incredible Hulk, also played Will Graham Yeah, in Red Dragon.
1: That that definitely... There was a lot of these really cool references back and forth. Yeah, but that's totally one of them when he tells him that. That was like
0: at the first episode, I think. Something like that. Maybe number two, but somewhere early on. Who are
1: you psychoanalyzing here? Mm
0: -hmm. There's so many fun little moments. Um, I really love the little moments. There's 13
1: episodes, and they're all a little over 40 minutes, so there's a lot to really talk about over the course of what we do. I mean In episode four, the one with the mom. Oh dude, that's such a woo, that's a good episode. It's There's a moment
0: to... where Hannibal turns to it's a scene change from whatever they were showing right before, and it goes straight to Hannibal asking Will about his mom, and he just completely like a little bit of lazy psychiatry there, right? And I just fucking love the way he delivers the line. It's just so just yeah, like, God damn it, like, really? Like, you're doing this shit? Like... <laughs> all
1: these moments, are they really feel genuine, right? I feel like all of their portrayals, even some of the, um, I guess, side actors who are in this, I mean, who they don't play huge parts. They might be, like, one of the serial killers. They're only there for an episode or two, but they do a good portrayal of that, that character.
0: God, we've barely even touched on the plot either, really. But uh, Yeah, I mean, you, you don't, don't want to... Go fucking watch it. What yeah. I want to say here is... Plot-wise, I mean, this is the spoiler section, but I'd rather, like, encourage people to watch this. definitely watch it. But by the end of this, Will's getting locked up.
1: Yeah, in a big, bad way. Will's behind bars. Hannibal's free. And there's a really unique tie-in in in the reversal of their fortunes in that scene, or that sequence, yeah. Mm -hmm. No Migs, though. I was really hoping there'd be a Migs. (laughs) (laughs) The way that they focus more on Will Graham through the manipulation of
0: Hannibal. It's a unique telling of this story. Your protagonist becomes more and more of an unreliable narrator throughout the series and by the end of the first season is very much in prison. Yeah. (laughs) Or in Chilton's place for the criminally insane. Yeah. Yeah, he gets fucked up. Yeah, poor Will, man. But
1: Hugh Dancy, hats off, does a great job. Mads Mikkelsen, hats off, does a great job.
0: Eddie is Eddie Izzard, man, gosh. Fucking fantastic as Abel Gideon. Sinister. I mean, he's in like four or five episodes, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not even that many. Maybe three or four total. I, yeah, I'd say around three or four, maybe. Fantastic, though. Very witty, funny, charming, actually.
1: I would feel remiss if I don't mention this really quick. I told you that there was an actress that we had mentioned in an earlier episode that we did okay. during our slasher run. And uh, she was in uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. She was the B.O.T. Blondie.
0: Right. And she is... She was one
1: of the victims of the mushroom guy who was the oh, pharmacist.
0: Right. That was neat, too.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, we had talked about her? I forgot she was in this. But yeah, she was one of the victims. I was like, yeah, that's cool, dude. Because this is a Canadian project, so you start seeing these unique actors and actresses start popping up. You're like, oh, I know why you're in here. I did like the fact, like I said, they used Molly Shannon as the mother in that whole... Episode <laughs> that involved the kidnapping,
0: dude. That was so <sighs> dark, dude. It was, so weird. it was
1: depressing, too. It had to do with like being the black sheep of the family.
0: Oh, and one other thing I wanted to touch on, real quick, though, was Dan Fogler was kind of weirdly creepy, cool, too. In this,
1: he did a good job. You felt sorry for him, but then it also you also can kind of see it through like I guess the sociopaths have to deal with like being disassociated from people and not being able to have a real friendship while this guy's looking for a unique friendship that he finds a sociopath
0: <laughs> like god
1: damn Dan
0: getting to watch how his particular quirks work and why he had already been recommended across so yeah. many therapists and stuff you, you mean you get understand to watch it. it play out was really neat and he fucking he sold it
1: you know when I think of him I always think of him in his comedic performances
0: yeah same mm-hmm. here and uh, it was neat getting to... I mean, his... He's he still was a little still, quirky, man. He was I mean, that's comedic, he but not intentionally comedic. No, it wasn't no. like, it Ha-ha ha funny. It was kind of funny, but it was kind of darkly funny just because it was kind of a weird fucked He's up a situation. Weird yeah. That he was putting Hannibal in and just his particular weird stocky <laughs> habits. And he yeah. was kind of creepy McCreeperson, but... He was super creepy McCreeperson, but
1: it wasn't in a harmful way. It was just... He was awkward person looking for a friendship, and he didn't know how to go about doing it. Does weird shit.
0: God, fucking go watch the show. That's about all I have to say left.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I know it's. We don't want to go through the entire thing, so we'll get back to it right with the season two, season, hit season three. two So think about this. This Next. carries on. So this is not the end of it. But uh, watch the season one, get a good feel for it, and then we can kind of maybe, as the seasons progress, we can get more spoilery,
0: a little bit more spoil, get into it a little bit more. Well, I mean, cause, especially because at this point we already talked about why we love Mads Mickelson and he yeah. Nancy and shit. So I think in the next couple seasons we might go a little bit more into detail than what we just did. But we mostly just want an excuse to watch them again. Yeah, we do. <laughs> but no, do yourself a honest, favor and watch a great show. To be honest. Yeah. Also, uh, we both mentioned it already. It was super easy just to grind through them, too. You
1: can. I mean, at the 40 minutes you're like, Wow. You're in 20 minutes. You're like, well, I got 20 minutes left to watch it. So 40 minutes doesn't feel like a long time. And the next thing you know, you binge watch four or five episodes. You know, for me, when I can do that with shows, it lets me know that, that it's got my interest and I want to want to be involved with them.
0: And if you want to keep up with us going through those, false on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Tuned In. Yeah, we're all those them. places. Because we're going to continue talking about this shit and yeah, are we movies. We got of, some good plans. We got some things planned. We got other things that might pop up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, we just keep talking about all the shit that we really want to get to, and so we're going to get to it. But you need to keep following us to listen to us get to it. Yeah. And hopefully some of it will be shit that you like, too. And if you want to make sure that it's shit that you like, too, you can email us. Squirmcast yeah, at And follow us at Twitter, at Fried squirms, Instagram, Fried squirms Podcast. We're still there. And Facebook. Yeah, I mean, anywhere
1: you can find social platforms, you'll find us there as well. Once again, give us recommendations. We've been shouted out too. There's a film that I think we're going to do. We've confirmed. Don't want to quite mention it yet, but it ties back into a movie we've already covered in a weird way.
0: I'm pretty excited for the lineup that we have coming up. At least that we've decided on so far. But that's partially because that means I get to watch Mads Mikkelsen for the next two weeks. Yes, as a good
1: excuse, if nothing else.
0: Yeah. So for this week on Fried Squirms, I have have been Tyler this entire time. I've been Danny no as No matter well. what the cops ask you about. <laughs> yeah. And Fried Squirms out. Out. <laughs>